0: again, it was about the life experience more than anything. If we get this right and we do this right, we will affect the quality of the day of many, many lives. And what a cool life experience that would be.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Trisential's 1% Better podcast. Our mission is to make a positive impact on the life of anyone who interacts with Trisential. Over the past 20 years, we are humbled to have helped some of the most successful brands and organizations from around the world, and are excited to share incredible stories of improvement directly from our clients, partners, and employees. Our goal is that every podcast provides insights and learnings that lead to a mindset of growth, continuous improvement, and lasting value, both at a personal and professional level. One percent at a time, as small changes can lead to truly transformative results. Thanks for listening to 1% Better and be sure to hit that like button. Hello, I'm Craig Thielen and this is the 1% Better podcast. Today is our ninth episode of the 1% Better podcast and the number nine has been a big number over the ages. It's the last single digit number in our counting system and it represents the end of a cycle. Ancient mathematical philosophers called it the finishing post, and ancient Greeks called it the horizon. So at Tricential, we also believe in numbers, in particular in the number three and the power of three, which is where Trisential got its name, and we'll talk more about that. Back to nine. Nine divided by three is three. So it's very appropriate with that that we're having Keith Corsi on this episode, and Keith is the founder and CEO of Tricential. So Keith, A lot of math there, but welcome to 1% Better.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Craig. Obviously, huge fan of what we're doing here, and I've loved every episode, and you've had some great people on, so happy to be a part of it.
1: Well, let's get started, Keith, with the whole backstory with Trace Central being the founder. And by the way, this is our 20th year, and the impetus behind this podcast, so this 20 years that we've had as a company, and all the great organizations and people we've run into, and share those stories. So take us all the way back on the story of how Trace Central was started.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a great story. I think coming out of college, technical, I was a COBOL, CICS, IMS, DB2 guy and worked with a lot of people like me, thousands of programmers working at a big company and got a lot of uh, technology learnings along the way and grew up becoming more of a business analyst and then more of a project manager and got to see just how we solved technical problems at our company. And we always did it the same way. We hired a big accounting firm and we, we got the strategy set. And then when we implemented, we'd implement with local staffing firms and we struggled and a lot of other companies were struggling. So we saw a lot lot of issues with the way we were doing that and then as my career progressed I ended up working at other companies and getting to see more of the same and at that time two of the statistics that Tricentia was really founded on was 53 percent of IT projects went 100 percent over budget or more And 82% of project rework cost was directly related to requirements. So if you combine those stats over half the time, you double your spend and over 80% of the time, you didn't even get what you wanted. And so I always wondered while we were out there in the field, why doesn't something exist? That's really a third alternative, a third alternative from the staffing firms on one end and the, the big SIs on the other end. Why doesn't a company exist in the middle that can take a company from strategy through execution? And that problem or the solution to the problem I saw, I just didn't see existing. And I shopped that idea with a couple of really smart people that I had worked with and said, if a company existed like this, what would you think? And they emphatically said, we join. And, and you start thinking about that experience of, okay, if we could bring that value prop to a company and fix those problems and really help that organization advance, what a great career that would be. And so that was really the vision behind TriCentral as being that third alternative and then really creating a life experience. When you talk about 1% better, creating a life experience that was different for the employees that worked at Tricential and people who had the same belief system and wanted the same life experience of going in and helping an organization get better and really teaching them to fish and the value prop of we're going to leave you better than where we found you, kind of a do manage mentor situation. And then when we're done, we're all going to high five and hug and say mission accomplished. And so that was why Tricential came to be to fill that third alternative and hopefully, hopefully do it with a life experience that the best people in the industry hadn't been a part of in the past.
1: Thanks for sharing. That's a great story. And I think there's still a lot of pieces of that that still are alive and well today. So I got to ask for those that don't know, the tagline of the company, Tricential, which by the way, stands for the three essentials, strategy, management, execution. The tagline was Trisential, the shape of business improvement. And so why improvement? Why did you choose that as an anchor? And then how did you get the name Trisential? Even though I gave a clue to it, but I think there's a story there as well.
0: The shape of business improvement, we really wanted to help organizations advance. And I've always been a fan of poetry, but there's this great quote from Henry David Thoreau when he says, to affect the quality of the day, that's the highest of arts. And I've always loved that quote. And I thought, you know, with our company, yes, we have to be a profitable organization. We're going to solve problems and we're going to have a great value prop for the people that work with us and the people that work for us. But what's the highest art in that is really leaving an organization better off than they were when we found them, you know, teaching people to fish. So the idea of the shape of business improvement, that's a play on obviously the essential business model and tri essential the message of strategy management execution. But We thought when we leave, we should leave that organization and those people in a better spot. And we've taught them what they need to know and they can go off and do this on their own. So we thought the shape of business improvement, tying that all together, that we want the organization to improve and it ties into our business model. We thought that was pretty catchy and very realistic with what we wanted to accomplish for an organization.
1: Well, the old saying is you can learn something new every day, and I certainly learn something new with every podcast, and I just learned something new. We've been working together for roughly <laughs> 15 years, and I never knew you were a fan of poetry.
0: <laughs> yeah, don't tell too many people. I'm not sure that's a great one. but it might get I, out. I think great things have been said, and I like to remember them and kind of try to live by them.
1: The consulting business, you went into a business that's not an easy business to be in. And it's got a lot of big players and a lot of smart people, well-established, and you jumped into it. And you started a company from scratch, right? It was really three people. You added a fourth one early on, but you really did start from scratch. And so what was the hardest part, looking back 20 years, the hardest part about starting a consulting business? And then how did you overcome those challenges?
0: Yeah, the hardest part by far was also, I think, the most exciting part was we knew we were going to take a completely new message to complete strangers. So those of us who jumped in early on the Tricential game, we were in non-competes and obviously wanted to honor those. And so when you really thought about the excitement of let's start this company, we believe in our mission statement to have a positive impact on the life of anyone who interacts with Tricentral. We believed in that. We believed in our value prop. We believed in the people that we had talked to that wanted to come work with us. So we really believed and had a lot of excitement around that. But the hardest thing is when you take a new message to complete strangers with a new name that no one has ever heard of. And you say, this is a value prop, trust us. And we told our wives, give us a year. If we don't make it, we'll punch out and go get real jobs again. But we get one year of no pay and and let's just see if People don't buy this, then we're worried there's not a value prop to be had. And so our wives agreed to it. And thankfully, in month nine, we signed our first client. In our tenth month, we signed our second client. And our third one came shortly after that. And so we got in under the deadline. We didn't have to shut her down. And that was exciting. And you know, I remember when I was reading good to great for the first time, and there's a great component in there about a stockdale paradox. And and it's this concept of you, you have to have unwavering faith that you're going to succeed while you confront the brutal facts of your reality. And I, I remember reading that the first time and I've read that book several times, and I just remember thinking, we didn't know what the Stockdale paradox was, but we had it. We had unwavering faith that our message would be good. We would be able to create an environment and a life experience for clients and employees that they had never experienced before in this industry yet while we confronted the brutal facts of no one knows who we are, no one has heard of this company called Tricential, people buy from who they know and trust. How are we gonna do that with complete strangers? We always believe we'd be successful and we thought if this works, we will have done a very hard thing with this new organization, but it will prove out people believe in value and we could win them over with a message that says, here's where we're gonna take you on this journey and here's how it's gonna start and here's how it's gonna end and it's gonna be great for everybody. That was our belief. So we lived that Stockdale paradox without even knowing what it was.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you had to say what's the greatest trait or consistent trait of entrepreneurs, it's that what you just said. It's that unwavering faith because there's challenges literally every day. You question yourself, but you have to have that belief system that it's going to work out. I think that applies even well beyond starting a company. Even though the stakes are greater, right, to some degree, you take your life savings or you take your 401ks, you're putting things at risk. You could apply that, I suppose, to anybody in their job, their role, in their personal life, having that faith that, hey, it's going to work out. I'm going to get through this, right?
0: Yeah, just an internal fortitude. And it's a competitive nature with yourself and just the belief that you will get through it. And you will. I'm a pretty faithful guy in my personal life, and so I lean on that a lot. We had really unwavering faith that this would work, and again, it was about the life experience more than anything. If we get this right and we do this right, we will affect the quality of the day of many, many lives, and what a cool life experience that would be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So what about on the flip side? There's been a lot of evolutions. I don't think we'll be able to cover all of it, of just how Trey Central has evolved over the years, the 20 years. But when you look back again, what are your proudest moments looking back?
0: Oh boy. You know, it's it's funny. I was telling somebody the other day, when we were talking about when someone retires, and I always use the Super Bowl analogies, right? Everybody wants to go out like Montana, win four Super Bowls, and Some people go out like Elway, win the big one, and then Collar quits after that. And then there's folks who do it the Aikman way. You get your one, and then you go deep into the playoffs, but you never get back there. And I've thought about that often, about the Super Bowls that Tricential has won. And obviously, just making it is probably one of the proudest moments I've ever had, is when you hit that two, three-year mark. And everybody knows the stats of what percent of companies fail before year five. And you're rolling in years two and three, just making it and getting people to believe in the dream and then follow. And just knowing we were going to make it was one. Obviously, when we sold the company, having an organization find us from Germany and say, we want you to be our launch point into the US and we want to take your intellectual property to 30 countries around the world. That was a huge Super Bowl win. And then we started recently, Craig, as you know, we've started celebrating regular retirements. And that's a fascinating thing. We started this company when I was 34 and all of a sudden I've turned around twice and I'm 54 and Craig, you and I have seen it. Some of our foundational people that came into this organization and spent 15, 18 years with us have called it a career. And each one of those is bittersweet. It's exciting. And I take a lot of pride in the fact that people in this industry that are at the top of their game that could go work anywhere, spent their last 10, 15 years with this company. That's amazing to me and, and very humbling. And I'm very, very grateful for that. And then just look at the Super Bowls of we were brought in. We had two companies brought in by the parent company and merged into us in 2018, 2019. And we brought those organizations in and I was proud of how we did that. We had a, the mission the first year of win their hearts and minds, if you remember that. And, it was all, yeah. all about getting those people into the tricential life experience and, and show them the culture and make them want to be a part of this team. We did that for a year before we even thought about systems integration and technology. Who cares? We're in the people game. And so that was another Super Bowl. And I there's been so many proud moments over the years. That doesn't say everything's been a proud moment. We've gone through our trials and tribulations, but I think you got to look for even the small wins as we get going here in mid-2023, it feels like we're getting and going because the first half of the year has been tough. It's exciting to think about how we're going to finish this year and what we're going to do next year. So there's lots of moments when you think back over the years of what we've all accomplished. It's it's very humbling. And that doesn't even talk about the things with the clients how many client engagements we've done and how many happy clients we've had over the years. And that's just the most rewarding part of everything is again, the people side of our game. It's all people, right? Our people go out and work with other people. And when you get the people game right, it's very fulfilling and that's our game.
1: We'll have to do the math on that sometime how many clients we've worked with i'm guessing it's going to be somewhere around 500 and how many engagements maybe around 2000 plus and, and every one of those is a story and a learning for me anyways And I know you've been listening to some of these podcasts and it's been a lot of fun for me to be able to reconnect with some people that we met along the way. And some of these people met in India and Germany and Ireland and all over the world, as we've now become part of this global organization. And they just hear those stories. And it's kind of an endless road when you think about all the people that we worked with over the years. And I I really look forward to every one of these to retell some of these stories and the learnings that we've had and that they've had. So uh, that's got to be fun for you as well.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. When you think about when we were approached about partnering and then that turned into our sale to SQS at the time and them wanting to take this message that we had developed over 10, 15 years to 30 countries. And you were part of that, Craig, and I was part of that, getting to go you know, really educate the world on how we do the management consulting game, the tricentral way and all of those relationships. <laughs> right when you thought your life was great and we had done some awesome work, all of a sudden you're dealing with 30 other countries and great people from around the world that wanna do things a different way in a better way and again, have a better life experience. And so, yeah, I think about all those people around the world and the experiences we've had, it's, it's very surreal.
1: Here's a challenge for you after you're done with this is try to think back. You don't have to answer it here, but think back of the first, second, or third customer we had, and let's see if we can get them on the podcast. That would be a real fun conversation to go back 20 years. Oh,
0: I would love that.
1: I remember our first three
0: clients very, very vividly, so I I could easily do that. And that's the beautiful part about it. We're still friends and still acquaintances with those people, and some have retired, and, and others are still in the game swinging for the fences, and I would love to do that.
1: So we talked about the improvement theme as a company. And I always love to kind of go back in time. And I think we're at a transition in the world, Uh, a shift in technology, a shift in how we think about countries, how we think about global versus local. Lots of different things are starting to shift in the world. And here we are 20 years ago. You were talking about improvement. Did you ever envision that focus would be bigger, faster, faster? We're in the world of AI and generative AI and at the speed of change and speed of quote unquote improvement is really exponential. And it also is including some things that have been around for a long time, like mindfulness, for example, spirituality, consciousness, these kinds of things were not even talked about in a business context 20 years ago, right? Now, these are things that a lot of people are talking about publicly. So could you imagine this world that we live in 20 years ago and improvement is more relevant than it's ever been?
0: No, I would have never thought the improvement message from 20 years ago would be a timeless message, right? Which is what it's kind of turned out to be. You know, we always know we're trying to improve and get better, but where we're at today with the speed of technology is amazing. You and I have talked about that with AI now on the scene. And again, organizations are going to need to keep up with it. I would have not thought we had created a timeless message, but very excited about how it still relates and it's going to relate now forever. It looks like it is timeless because there's always something to improve on and you're right the whole human side of companies now and i remember listening to one of the podcasts with tom goodell and he talked about a couple things that i really loved he said leadership is now about self-regulation and being deeply self-aware when you think about those kind of concepts That is what we need. That's what the world needs. That's what the organizations need. They need deeply self-aware people. You know, Craig, at our company, we're very into the personality profiling game and making sure that we understand how people are wired and how they want to be communicated with. And I think we brought a lot of value around improvement to our clients and even internally. Just with that language, we can all speak because we know how you're wired and we know how I'm wired and We know how we want to communicate, but we know how we want to be communicated with. So I just think we will be on a never-ending improvement game. And I think as technology gets bigger and harder, what we do is needed even more. And people being very self-aware and very heavy into the EQ side of the house, as much as we are into the IQ side of the house, it's just imperative because people get things done. Yes, these machines are smarter and getting faster and better every day, but People drive that, and that will not change. So, yeah, I'm excited about how the message lives on, and it just continues to morph with time. And, and as technology speeds up, it stays right at the forefront, in my not opinion. How many
1: things stand the test of time in 20 years? I mean, how many companies have completely come and gone? You know, Redbox completely was on the scene and maybe still around, but it's a fragment. And there's so many things that just come and go. But yeah. improvement, I think, is as close to the timeless as you can get. So let's (laughs) shift gears here from big company level stuff, which is fun to go back through the memory box a bit. But let's talk a little bit more personally. There's been a lot of trials and tribulations and clients. And when you are working with people, we have a lot of variables every single day. What have you learned personally, Keith, over the past 20 years from just, again, running, growing, selling, integrating, working with people at many, many levels, clients? What have you learned on a personal level?
0: Oh, man, Craig, there's so much there, but I think when you boil it all up, I would say my overarching biggest learning is it's just all about people all the time. There's all the sayings, right? People don't care what you know till they know that you care. And people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. All the catchy phrases. But at the end of the day, being an expert or trying to be as educated as you can on the people game and what makes people tick, I think is the biggest learning. You cannot treat everybody the same. People are not the same. If You know the tool we use, Craig, and it divides people up into four quadrants. And if you think about that, only 25% of the population is is the same quadrant as you. 25% is similar to you, and another 25% is similar to you in another way. And the fourth 25% is pretty much your opposite. And again, none of those are right or wrong, right? That's just how God made us and somebody raised us, and we're out there in the world interacting. And I think the thing I've learned the most is you have to be able to work with all kinds of people. The diversity in a group is the best thing we have because it's the diverse thinking of, hey, if somebody comes from another quadrant from you, they they have similar thoughts, but probably pretty different in some areas. And some are total opposites. And when you get a group of diverse people at the table, and you can communicate your way through that, whatever is the issue or the initiative you're talking about, you come out with a really good answer, in my opinion, because you've seen everything from left field, right field, and from home plate. And I think organizations and teams that figure that out and welcome the dynamic tension, we talk about that all the time here internally. I love dynamic tension because it means we care and it means we're uncovering all the gotchas or as many as we can find and then you can make really, really good decisions. So I've learned a lot over the years on a lot of topics, but I think at the end of the day, that's the most important is people get this done, teams come together, groups come together, cultures come together, there's subcultures within the cultures. And if you can be a student of that game and navigate through that, you have a much better chance of success.
1: I think that's a growing understanding out there that diverse teams perform better. You're referencing a tool that we use, there's lots of different tools that different organizations use, but personality traits and behaviors. We'll share the link to this one in our show notes. But it is helpful, and diversity does create broader thinking and challenging each other. And so it's something that we do internally, but we also do it for some of our clients and help them so you don't have 80% of people in one quadrant, which is kind of a pattern, right? If you want to hire people like yourself, they tend to all be in the same quadrant. So let's keep going on the personal front. In this podcast has been really interesting to talk about professional improvement which we're quite used to doing in the western world versus personal improvement and so both you and I, I have been involved with our kids and youth sports coaching and i know you're really passionate about that i'm curious what have you learned from your business learnings and brought that to working with kids and vice versa have you learned something from that do you see similarities very different contexts but still people right
0: no, you're exactly right. And just little people, you know that, and I appreciate the question. Yeah, I was a youth baseball coach for my son from age four up until we turned him over to the high school team. And I was I helped coach hockey team of my son's and I, I helped out on some basketball teams with my daughter. And I would say, again, the personality game, granted their kids and their brains aren't fully formed, but kids respond just like adults, right? They respond differently to different situations and you gotta kinda find the magic with each kid and one thing I would say I learned from the kids is how much they can handle and my best story on this is when we moved to Minnesota and my son was nine and I didn't coach that year I didn't know anybody I just came and settled in and at 10 years old they asked me to coach the first traveling team so we were going to create a traveling team of players and I coached in-house we had an in-house league and then this special group of kids that made the tryout would play on the traveling team and I remember the first parent coach meeting of that traveling team here. I've been in Minnesota now for six months. And in front of the parents and the coaches, I said, so what's the championship here? How do we know when our traveling team is the very best baseball team in the state? And it was very quiet and some grumblings. And I was dead serious. I wanted to know. And one of the parents said, well, you'd win Gopher State. And I'm like, all right, guys, we have our marching orders. Our mission is to go win Gopher State as a baseball team. I know anything about sizes of teams, none of that. We're just gonna take this 10 year old baseball team to go for state. And that was our mission. And I'm happy to say, as 11-year-olds, we won Gopher State. It was just a mission we put out in front of ourselves with a why not us mentality, right? Why not this group of kids from Orno? right? There's only 14 of them and only 20 tried out. Yeah, yeah, why not us? We always talked about how do we outwork our competition, right? How do we, when they're taking 50 ground balls, we're going to take 100. They're going to take 20 pop-ups, we're taking 40 why not set the pitching machine at high school fastball for your 11 year olds if they can handle it these kids just had this belief system that we're just going to have to go win this gopher state tournament and that year i think we were 30 and three in the championship game we almost 10 run them it was just a machine of a team that just had this belief And, uh, you know, I learned from that, like, wow, setting goals, you know, everybody hears about that. But it wasn't really setting a goal and putting a post-it on your mirror. It was a team belief system that we could do this. And why wouldn't it happen to us if we're willing to outwork everybody? And that was the motto. We're going to run a little faster. I actually, (laughs) the parents thought I was crazy. I actually wrote this creed that these 10-year-olds had to sign. And it talked about how I will... (laughs) out work and I will sacrifice for my team because I'm a member of this team and my buddies are counting on me and they all signed this creed and it became kind of a rite of passage for us to continue on this venture. And I learned a lot from that. We weren't the most talented group but I will say and this is you know, when you think about our core values at Tricentral right one is humble confidence we talked about before every game we're walking in here humbly confident confident not cocky we're going to win this game man you we brought the core values a... of
1: Tricentral the, <laughs> to the 11 year old baseball team I, I did why well,
0: Why not double up? We're going to be confident, not cocky. And we're going to beat this team gracefully and all things will work out the right way. Again, it's almost that Stockdale paradox and everything will go the right way if we do the right things. And those right things are play hard and be thoughtful and no whoopses. You know, another thing we've talked about at Trisential. There was a lot of ties, but I think coaching kids and watching them respond and seeing what they can handle and then working obviously in our professional world with adults. It has a lot of synergies and kids can handle a lot.
1: Well, all good things must come to an end. And we're <laughs> at the, uh, the final question of 1% better. So sure. what is your best 1% better advice that you'd give yourself when you were 11 years old, if you could go back in time or someday when you have a grandchild and you wanted to share everything you've learned, what would you say? <laughs>
0: yeah, I guess I'll give you a three-pronged tricentral answer. How's that? Since everything is Perfect. threes, I'd say stay close to God. Number one, faith is huge. I would tell my 16-year-old self to out-plan, out-work, and out-care the competition. The world needs thoughtful, hard-working people. And I would also say be a student of the personality game, right? You have to understand people. They come from all different paths. They have all different backgrounds. And it's how they were hardwired and somebody raised them and learn their language. Speak to them how they want to be spoken to. And if you get those three things right, this is a great life experience.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Keith. It's been a lot of fun going back through memory lane. And it's also been great working with you, working for you and all the great life experiences I've had along the way. And I think we have fulfilled the mission in part. Anyway, we've impacted a a lot of people, like I said, in the thousands. And it's been a learning experience for for many, many people and a very positive one. So thanks for starting it all off. Thanks, Greg. Yep. We got more lives to impact. All right. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the 1% Better podcast. We hope you found it insightful and useful for your improvement journey. As always, you can access podcast transcripts and links to reference material at tricentral.com forward podcast. If you would like to be a guest on 1% Better, you can do it on the same site. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please like, share, or rate our podcast. Until the next episode, here's to getting 1% better every day.